Now, would you turn back with me, please, to that portion of God's Word that we read? The Gospel of Jesus Christ, as we have it according to John. And John chapter 6. And we might read again those words that we have in verse 27. John chapter 6 and verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Now this morning we were considering as by way of preparation for the Lord's Supper to come that verse that came that truth that came, that call that came, no less than twice unto Elijah to arise and eat. And in John chapter 6, we have something of the same theme. And that theme is, in a way, and in a sense, also a preparation for the supper of the Lord. And we are told something very remarkable, I think, in uh, John uh, chapter 6. We are told something very remarkable because it's something that we might, first of all, uh, as those who are Reformed, recoil from. And that is when we come to the Supper of the Lord that we, we eat and we drink Jesus Christ. Now, we find that brought out later in the chapter. And if you notice, that is what is taught by Christ himself in verses 50 and 51. Speaking of himself, he says, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, what does it mean that we eat Christ? Now, it cannot be that somehow these elements are, are changed into the body and blood of Christ. It cannot mean that. We don't believe that at all. But what we do believe and what Christ instituted is that these elements, they point forward to Christ himself. They point to Christ. And that is what we eat. We eat in a spiritual way. We eat 
by faith itself. And of course, we, we know when we come to the table, we lay aside all enmity. We lay aside uh, with repentance all the sin that we, we find there in our heart. We do so, and I took a note of this. Many of you will have read uh, one of the Scottish Puritans, George Hutchison. And Hutchison says this, For as food must be taken and digested in order to nourish, so we must have Christ in order to be nourished. Here Christ comes, and he speaks to these multitudes, we are told, at Capernaum. These multitudes who came to be desired uh, to be filled with the loaves. They sought Jesus. They, they had this, this following after Christ, but it was for something totally different than for, for what Christ did to come into the world. They were looking for the perishable meat. That meat that would fill their human desires. That's what they were looking for. They were following him for the miracles because that is the context of John chapter 6. Christ had just performed the, the feeding of the 5,000. And so they were coming and they were searching from this, for this perishable meat. Our friends, may it be so this evening that there is no one here and you are searching for the perishable meat. That there is no one here and you are satisfied with the perishable meat. That you're satisfied with the things that, uh, that come and the things that go, but have no everlasting satisfaction. You see, when Christ comes here and he abrades them in John chapter 6, he upbraids them for seeing the miracles. And the miracles they witnessed with their eyes. They had just witnessed one great miracle. They, they had brought before them this, this truth that, that Christ had, had come into the boat and yet there was no other boat. But they didn't see the signs. The miracles, but not the signs. The outward things, but not what those outward things represented. And Christ comes and he says, labor not for the meat that perisheth. What is he saying? He says, we must eat and we must feed upon that imperishable meat. That imperishable meat. And that's what I wish us to consider this evening. The meat, the giver, and the labor. The meat, the giver, and the labor. First of all, the meat. He says that we are not to labor for the meat that perisheth. The meat that perish. Now, Christ is not saying here, and we're not to, to think that he is, he's not saying here that uh, we are not to, to seek after any bread at all, 
the, the, the things of, of life, that we are, we're not to have shelter and we're not to seek after food and we're not to, to have the, the necessary things of life. That's not what the Lord Jesus Christ is, is teaching. Uh, we must have those things. We, we must have those. Uh, what, what, is, what is the purpose of the body? Why, why, do we have, why do we need the, the daily substance of, of, of food? Well, we need that to, to maintain the body. And it's not a, a case that there is a, a conflict between the body and the soul. Oh, no. There is a purpose of the body. And it's, it's, it's a God-designated purpose. And the purpose of the body is, is brought out in, in, our, in our shorter catechism. We, we, we quoted it probably this day. Man's chief end. The reason for the body, the purpose of the body. To glorify God. To enjoy him forever. So we need, we need this, this, this bread. But what it does mean is that we are not to be satisfied with a perishable bread. We need this, this perishable bread. We need it since the fall. We need it since, since Adam fell. We're going to have it un, under the sweat of our brow. We have to labor for that as part of the curse. But friends, this perishable life must be sustained by perishable bread. But what about the imperishable life? What about the soul itself? Can that bread sustain the soul? Can that satisfy the soul? So when Christ comes and he says, labor not for the meat that perishes, he's not saying don't labor for the, the perishable things for the, for the body's sake. Now he comes here and he speaks to those and he says, ye seek me not because ye saw the signs. What do those signs declare? Those signs declared that he was the bread that had come down from him. You will come, you will remember that on the Lord's day to come if he so will. But you see, those that followed Christ, and we know that they would follow him for a while and, and then they would, they would go away from him. They, they came to, to see him as a source of perishable bread. He would perform the, the miracles. They would partake of those things. They would be satisfied with those things. They would, they would see the, the, the wonders, but they didn't see the power that lay behind those wonders. Why did Jesus not cross in the ship with the disciples? So that they would know of another wonder and another miracle, that he was the one who could control even the waves and he could walk upon those waves. And he says, I will not give you that perishable food. 
I did not come into this world to give you that perishable food. Our friends this evening, is it the case that as we are gathered here, we have a hunger and we have a thirst after those things that perish not? That perish not. Well, what is meant? Well, the food and the drink and all of those things that are, are, are perishing, he's saying they are short-lived in the world. They're short-lived. Even, even Moses in the, in, in the wilderness, that, that, was, that was just there. The, uh, the manna was, I suppose, we, we might say that, well, was it a type or, or not? Well, Christ certainly uses the word, but he, 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 he almost lessens the significance of that manna, because he said he is the true bread that has come down from heaven. And when a man or a woman feed upon that bread, never hunger again. You know, there were times we, we perhaps heard texts like that preached upon. And we, we, we could not understand what it meant. Uh, how would it mean that, that Jesus Christ could satisfy our souls? How could it mean that we would never hunger again? We could never thirst again. How could this be? And it wasn't, friends, until we were brought into the experience of that reality that we realized what that meant. It meant a, a satisfaction. You know how a meal satisfies? It satisfies the, the, the appetite. Well, this is something that satisfies the very innards of our soul. You and I are not created as blank slates. You know, the man this evening, the woman this evening, out there who say that they are atheists, they're not atheists. They're not atheists because the law of God has been written upon every heart. No matter how much they suppress it in unrighteousness, that's what ungodly man has to do. He has to suppress it in on righteousness because it's there. He, he knows the difference between right and wrong. It's written upon his heart. Well, friends, in the same sense it is with us, there is a hunger and a thirst, and that emptiness cannot be satisfied unless it is satisfied with that imperishable meat, that imperishable sustenance. The world would, would offer the Capernaumites many things. They would look for many things. They would perhaps look for even reformation of life. The, the Pharisees were there, weren't they? And they were, they were telling them all of the points of the law. You know, the Pharisees, they knew the law. 614 interpretations and finer subpoints of the law they kept. And they prided themselves in that. They were legalists. That can be a danger, legalism. 
a great danger. You know, deep down, that is part of our heart. We're all legalists. We're all Pharisees. And when we peer into the heart and we don't find that, even as we come to examine ourselves before a communion season, then, friends, we need to go back and find it because it's there. So we're legalists. And then we are also those who are lax towards the law. It's a contradiction, I know, but we're full of contradiction. And, and, and it is there. And therefore, outward reformation is of no use. It needs to be Jesus Christ himself who reforms the man, who renews the man. And that man is led to feed upon him. Not a case of making us better in the world. It's a case of creating new creatures. And Jesus Christ is the one who is the bread of life. The bread of life. And if we're going to eat the perishable bread and feed upon it, friends, we're going to die. We're going to die. That is the whole point, and we'll see more of this as we come to the end of verse 27. We're to seek him for eternal life, for everlasting life. What is this bread? Well, he tells us what this bread is, which endured unto everlasting life. This bread is a bread that when we feed upon it, it will bring us onto everlasting life. Now, this everlasting life, of course, first and foremost, it, it does mean life everlasting. Life without death. Life that goes on and on and on. Never ends. Countless ages of eternity. Eternity. Isn't that an interesting word? Have we got a concept of eternity? How can we explain eternity? We are here, friends, and we are. Life seems to revolve around time, doesn't it? Life seems to revolve around moments of time and rush of time. Those who, who are, know something about computers, you, you will know that that is the, 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 the great stress, how fast you can send something, megabytes per second, time. But what about eternity? How can we explain that? Question is this. Where will we spend eternity? That is the question that must come to your soul on a Sabbath evening. And I would be totally remiss if we did not say that. Where will 
you spend eternity. And I've just used a phrase that I suppose I use time and time again. And every preacher of the gospel uses spending eternity. I remember reading some time ago a, a sermon by a late minister in, in Stornoway, Free Presbyterian minister. And it was on that very issue as he was preaching, he was talking about spending eternity, and he said, oh, stop. He said, eternity can never be spent. Eternity can never be spent. And friends, isn't it vital on this Sabbath evening that you know where you're going to dwell in eternity? Are you laboring for the meat? That is perishing. Well, this bread says that there is everlasting life. And in a sense, that is life forever. But in another sense, it, there is a more important meaning to it than that. It is not the idea of the quantity of the life, the everlastingness of the life. It is the quality of the life. The quality of the life everlasting. And this quality of the life everlasting is those that have it, those that are feeding upon this bread, this imperishable bread. They have been given the divine image of God. What is the image of God? You'll know from your catechism and shorter catechism uh, question and answer 10. It is knowledge, knowledge of that which is saving to the soul. It is righteousness, that which is before the judicial throne of God. And it is holiness, holiness, that growing and that weaning and that building in the grace of God throughout all of our time here below. That is the quality of this life. A blessing that shall never end. There will be a fellowship with him that shall never end. That is the bread, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the love of God in Jesus Christ. So, friends, this is the meat which is brought before us here, and it is an imperishable meat. It is a meat, it is a sustenance, it is an upkeeping that shall never pass away. And we are to remember this, that we are not deserving of it. I'm a dead man. This, this body that you now see is crumbling and it's decaying before your very eyes. A sinful man, even here preaching the gospel this evening, that is my heart. That is your heart. And what we need, friends, deserving of eternal death that we are, is everlasting life, feeding upon that 
imperishable bread of Christ. So you have here the meat. But then you have the giver. The giver that is here. And you'll notice here in verse 27, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. That is always the reference to Christ as he is upon this scene of time. He is the Son of God, but he is the Son of Man as he is in our nature. And we, we see here that that as he is, is the giver, that, that he is the right. He is the right to, to give this meat onto those who will be enabled to receive it. He is the one that has conquered death and he has conquered the grave. I can't remember who said this. It was... Some of you here will, will no doubt remember it was, it was one of the, uh, the ministers, I believe, from this island. And he, and he said this, when we come to the Old Testament, and there we see in the Old Testament the fire, as it were, coming and, and consuming the sacrifice that was offered. And you know all of the types and the shadows of that sacrifice. How different it is in the New Testament. Because it's the sacrifice that consumes the fire. The fire being there representing the wrath of a holy God. The sacrifice of Christ consumed that wrath. And consumed that wrath which was due to me and unto all of his people. He did it for us. And where is he now? Well, we know that that was a sacrifice that was accepted because we worship him on this day, the day of the resurrection. And he is now at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he's interceding. He's interceding for all of his people. Oh, friends, this evening to be, to have that assurance, even feebly, that we are numbered in the prayers of our high priest. The one that has the names of his people, not in some outward display as the high priest in the Old Testament had upon his chest and the jewels representing all of the tribes of the children of Israel. We're told but this high priest is the names of his people engraved upon the palms of his hands. That's the one who's the giver. That's the one who is the giver. And he shall give all of his people eternal life. Everlasting life. Life of duration but life of quality. Our friends, you come, you say, I am not worthy of this imperishable meat. I am not worthy 
of this provision that has been made in Jesus Christ. And friends, we're not going to persuade you this evening that you are, because you're not. You're not worthy. That's why it is of grace and not of works. That's why it is of, of mercy and not of our own endeavors. The moment that we conclude as we have laid hold upon all of these things and look to ourselves for all that we have done, at that point when we are worthy, we certainly have no right to come to this table here below. And if we are trusting in our worthiness and in all that we do in the seeking of the perishable, we will have no right the marriage supper of the Lamb. Here is the one who is the giver, the Son of Man himself, God in our nature. He's the one who puts away the clouds of sin. Oh, not that we, we no longer battle with sin. Of course we do. But we can say with the Apostle Paul, therefore now sin had no more dominion over us. That's, that's vastly different than where we were before. Now see, our time is gone and we will finish with this. The meat, the giver, and the labor. Now you'll notice here what we're told in verse 27. It opens with this, this, this phrase, labor not for the meat which perishes. Labor not for the meat which perishes. And yet, friends, we're to labor for something. We're not to labor for the perishing meat, but we're to labor for something. We are to labor for the imperishable. Isn't that what Matthew tells us as he brings before us that straight gate? And what are we told of that straight gate? We are told to strive to enter in. Strive to enter in. You see, friends, we might be here as we approach a communion season, and we're saying that, uh, well, I must be doing something. I must be doing something. I, 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 I must merit something. I must bring something. For this great gift that he has given me, I must bring something. Our friends, we need not. We dare not. We dare not merit anything because Christ has, has merited it all. You see, that word labor there, it means the, the, the object of our desire and the object of our pursuit. And if the object of our desire and the object of our pursuit is that we would merit something, then it is for that perishable meat that we are seeking this evening. And friends, I warn you, I warn you to, to flee away from such a thought. Such a thought will, will bring you to an eternity of the lost. Must we labor? 
in order to make ourselves fit for the meat that never perishes? Isn't that a question? Must we labor for something that we would have a right to that meat that never perishes? No, friends. You might be here this evening and you're looking to the works of your hands. Was not what the, the children of Israel were down in Egypt, what they were set to do. But remember, they were set to, to make bricks and they were to, to make it as they would uh, bring the, uh, the, the mortar together and the, the straw together. They were to make brick after brick. Well, you see, if we go down the pathway of merit, we're going to be making brick after brick after brick after brick. And how do you know when you've made enough bricks? How do you know whether the bricks are right or not? How do you know where, whether they are good enough or not? You never know. They'll always wander in doubt. See, what you would be doing is laboring for the meat that perishes. No, friends, what we need is we need the Lord working on us. The Lord working on us. And when the Lord comes and the Lord works upon us, we realize that we have nothing of the imperishable meat, but by faith itself. By what we said this morning. And that, that faith is a faith that needs strengthening. It's, it's not a looking in, it's a looking out. It's, it's the substance of things not seen. We come in belief upon Christ and we might come and we, we should come always trembling. And we're not to see as we, we tremble and are weak and perhaps in fear in a sense. We're not to come and we are not to see the doubts in the midst of that. I may have told you this before. I've, it's come to my mind uh, again just at this point in time. Forgive me if I've told you before, but I believe it's helpful. I remember uh, an elder in previous congregation in the prayer meeting one night. As he was praying, he said, you know, we might be those who tremble upon the rock. But the rock never trembles. And isn't there the difference? The rock never trembles. Because you see, it is based upon the imperishable meat. And friends, as we come now over these days to a communion season, that is the meat that we need. That is the meat that will sustain. For all of the rest is perishable. And it's vanishing. And if we're trusting in that which is vanishing, we will vanish with. But if we are feeding upon that imperishable meat, 
then we have that which endures unto everlasting life. I commend that to you. May the Lord bless his word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we draw before thee this evening and we confess unto thee afresh that the journey of this life is one which is indeed a journey. It is a long journey. We need to be sustained for that journey. We need to arise and eat. But we need to arise and eat of that imperishable meat and not that which faded away. Oh, gracious Lord, we pray for any this evening here and they know something of this conflict within their own souls. They are conscious that there is a warring, a warring of the spirit against the flesh. And that is casting them down. But they're not to be cast down at all because that is a sign of life and a sign of grace. It is when there is no warfare and there is no conflict, that there is a feeding upon that meat which will perish, and that meat which stinketh. Ah, but we thank the ever-blessed Lord for Jesus Christ. We thank thee that he is the Lamb of God's own providing. We thank thee that he is indeed uh, much greater than the types and the shadows, if they were even that, uh, in the wilderness journey. For he is the one who is that bread of life that has come down from heaven for sinners such as we are. And we thank thee that when we feed upon him, we shall never hunger or thirst again, and we shall have that life that is everlasting. Go before us this evening, eternal one, we pray thee. And all we ask is in Emmanuel's name and for his sake. Amen.